The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. We are looking at Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. And in this text, the challenge comes when we look at Paul and what he's saying. And the question is, is Paul talking about himself as an unbeliever or as a believer? It's challenging because... I would say mainly verse 14 is the hardest verse for me at least to get by uh, because he says something uh, in verse 14 that sounds very much like an unbeliever would say. He says, for we know the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh sold into bondage to sin. And so that one makes you go, well, maybe he's talking about himself as an unbeliever. But let me just tell you up front, I think he's talking about himself as a believer. Ultimately, the point uh, is not going to lead you to heresy if you if we get it wrong one way or the other. Either way, the point is that the sin is the problem that we struggle with, and we need the Spirit of God. As an unbeliever, we're looking forward to conversion, to have the Spirit of God. As a believer, we're going to learn in chapter 8 how to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. So either way, you don't lead to heresy, but it's helpful to understand, is today's message mainly to unbelievers calling them to repent and find grace through faith in Jesus Christ? That's absolutely necessary and true. Or is it mainly a message to believers to encourage them in their continued struggle with sin? And I would say that's where we're going today. The main reason I think it's a believer is I want to read several verses to you that I think these verses are straight up only things that believers would say. Verse 15, Paul says when he sins, I do not understand for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate to do. When unbelievers sin, that's not typically what comes out of their mouth. That's what believers should be saying when they sin. I hate sin. In verse 16, he says, I agree with the law, confessing the law is good. That's what the Spirit of God creates in us. The law is good. God's word is good. God's commands are good. Verse 18, Paul says, For the willingness to obey is present in me. The Spirit gives that willingness. Verse 19, Paul says, For the good that I want, and then he goes on, and the evil I do not want. That's what the Spirit says in the believer. I want the good things of God, and I do not want the evil things. Verse 21, he describes himself as the one who wants to do good. In verse 22, he says he joyfully concurs with the law of God in the inner man. I believe that's him talking about the spirit of God deep within his inner man, giving him joy in God's word and God's law. Verse 24, he reaches the height of his frustration and we see in it his hatred of sin. And then in verse 25, he says what I think believers say, not unbelievers. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Our Lord. And so to me, all of these verses overcome the difficulty of verse 14. In verse 14, it sounds like he says, I'm sold into bondage to sin. I'll explain that in a minute, what I think is going on there. But the point is, Paul is saying, I, the apostle Paul, struggle with sin. And in that, we're going to find great encouragement to come alongside us as we continue to struggle with sin. But we're also going to find great conviction that we must struggle against sin. I wonder, do you ever feel confused and broken and discouraged 
when you look at your own life as a Christian and say, what is this I'm doing? Apostle Paul says, I know exactly what you feel. It's normal for every Christian to struggle with sin. So today, as we're going to look at Paul's struggle, he gets very personal. He, he opens up his life to us and says, here's the problem that I have. And then he's going to lay out a principle for us. He's going to say, here's a principle way to think about this problem. And then he's going to remind us of a great promise that should anchor our soul as we war with sin. So let's look at the problem. He describes the problem and the characteristics of it in verse 14 through 19. He says, For we know that the law is spiritual. We know it. We know the law is divine. It's of God. It's spiritual. It's good. But I am of flesh. That flesh, that part of me, he says, is sold into bondage to sin. I will be in bondage. I will sin my entire life. For, I, for what I am doing, I do not understand. It's confusing. It's confusing, for I'm not practicing what I would like to do. But I'm doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I'm actually agreeing with the law because I don't want to do it, even though I do it. So with mind, I'm agreeing with the law in the fact that I'm doing what I don't want to do. Confessing the law is good. Verse 17. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. You ever felt like that? For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me. But the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. What an honest confession from the Apostle Paul. He's saying, look guys, I wrestle, I war with sin just like you do. So in these verses, Paul describes the problem that every believer faces. He describes it as confusing, as paradox, as antithetical, always wrestling with this, how could I do that when I know that's not what I want to do? How could I make a New Year's, I'll get ready. How could I make a New Year's resolution to eat better and then the very first day blow it? Right? The very thing that I said I don't want to do, that's exactly what I do. Paul's saying, listen, I know the battle within. I get the struggle. I get how confusing it is, how discouraging it is, how depressing it is. I've been there. I'm in the middle of it. Pick your sin. Anger. I'm not going to lose my temper anymore. How how well does that go? How's that working for you? I'm going to tame the tongue. I'm not going to say those smart aleck cutting remarks anymore. Ask James what he says about the tongue. He says it's a rudder that will steer a ship. It is powerful. It can set a forest on fire with just a spark. But no man has tamed the tongue. Gossip, 
bad language, words that tear down instead of words that, te- that build up, lust. All these things are things that we struggle with as believers. And Paul says, I want you to know, I have the same problem. Wrestling with sin all the days of my life, even as a saint or a believer in Christ. So the fact that we need to notice that he is struggling with sin, we also need to notice the fact that he hates sin. I want to make that point clear. Yeah, he says, I struggle with sin. I I still war with sin. But notice the very fact that he is warring with sin. That's important to understand. Every believer wrestles with sin. All of us can relate to the struggle of not getting victory over every sin, not always doing what we want to do, making a resolution to stop this behavior and finding ourselves falling again and warring against that sin. But the key to understand is there both is encouragement and conviction in this text. We find encouragement that it is normal to struggle with sin. But we find conviction because it says we must struggle against sin. We must wage war with that sin. The fact that the struggle is lifelong does not give us reason to give in and say, oh, well, sin all the more. Because that's not what Paul is saying here. I think Paul explains this struggle because if we look at what he said in Romans 6, it would be easy to think there shouldn't be a struggle. In, verse, in Romans chapter 6, what has Paul been saying? Paul has been talking about our faith union with Christ. Remember he said, you can't climb this ladder of righteousness The law, the commands of scriptures, the word of God must not be turned into a ladder of good deeds that you can say, well, I'll reach righteousness through my good deeds. Paul says, no, the law was never going to do that for you. And he's talked very negatively about the law, right? He said, well, the law, in fact, just brings out the sin in your heart. And it just shows how wicked and sinful we are. It never saved anyone. And then he says, but let me clarify, the law's not bad. The law's good. The commands of Scripture, they're good. And they are God's great will for your life. But they're not going to get you to to be right with God. They're not going to get you to heaven. That's not how it works. You need unmerited favor. You need the gift of God. How do I get righteousness? Be united with Christ through faith. That's been his gospel message. That when you unite yourself with Christ through faith, that he's God's son, the the God-man, When he died, your old sinful man died. When he rose, you rose to walk as a new person, newly, completely new in Christ, raised to walk in the newness of life. You have victory over sin. You no longer are under the power of sin. You no longer are enslaved to sin. You can and must say no to sin. And then he says today, but it's going to be a war. Don't misunderstand me. And so that's what he's doing. He's clarifying that though you can and should and must say no to sin, though you are not enslaved to sin, though sin has had its head cut off, sin is not done influencing, harassing, and attacking you. You will be at war. It is a massive problem that we will deal with our entire 
Christian life. So Paul is kind of making sure we understand just because you came believer doesn't mean the sin battle is over. He's saying it's just begun. And that should be encouraging, but at the same time, it should be convicting that we should be waging war with sin. In fact, I think that it's important to note that this seemingly defeatist text does not mean the Christian life is one of defeat. Paul is not spending his entire Christian life defeated and beat up by sin. Instead, what I think you see here is as a Christian grows and matures in their walk with Christ, what you see is an increasingly hot hatred of sin. I was thinking about it in terms of the soccer teams that I coach. When I'm coaching a soccer team that is just starting out in soccer and they have very little skills yet, they're just learning, I'm all about encouraging them. Good job. They accidentally did something right. Yeah, that's it. That's what you want. That's good. You sh- yeah, that's called a goal and the ball went in there. That was good. But when you're coaching a group of all-stars, man, you are on them. Don't get lazy with that pass. Keep that ankle firm. Lock it in. Come on. What are you doing? You can't take it easy. You're going to get beat out there if you don't take this seriously. That's what happens in the Christian life. As new believers, man, we're just glad that they started reading their Bible. We're just glad that they stopped this behavior. And it's a celebration. Good. That's the right track. But as we walk with Christ... There grows an increasing hatred for sin as we look back and we see the devastation and the destruction that sin causes and we see the beauty and the majesty and the glory of God's holiness and we long for that, that even a hint, if I even start to sniff out sin in my life, man, I'm on it. This will not continue in my life because I know where this leads. And so this hatred of sin is not the expressions of a defeated Christian. This is an expression of a mature believer who understands the gravity of sin and will not tolerate it for one second in his life. There's encouragement. Be at war with sin because that's normal. Don't beat yourself up to the point, what's wrong with me? No, every Christian struggles with sin. But be convicted. You must wage war with sin. So Paul is saying, yeah, I wage war with sin. He's not saying, I hate sin. He's saying, I hate it. And I will root it out of my life because it is destructive to me and defaming to the glory of God. So what's going on in this battle within? Paul lays out the principal problem. He says, here's the principle to live by, to understand how to think about this. And he gives us in verses 20 through 23, the principle. He says, but if I'm doing the very thing I do not want, he says, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in my inner man. 
but I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. So here Paul explains the problem by setting forth a principle in verse 21. The principle is this. Evil is present in me who wants to do good. Remember what he's been saying. We used some theological terms a couple of weeks ago or about a month ago now that justification, sanctification, glorification, big words, but we need to understand more importantly is what they mean so that we can understand as we live the Christian life. What was justification? It was being set free from the penalty of sin. God looks at you, looks at Christ. If you're united with Christ and he gives you credit for the righteousness of Christ, he declares you righteous He says, you're good, you're set free from the penalty of sin. Not because of what you've done, but because Christ, who he is and what he's done. You get credit for Christ. So you're set free from the penalty of sin. Then sanctification is the life you live as a believer from salvation till either Christ returns or till you're united with Christ through death. That process is described as learning to live out your freedom from the power of sin. You've been set free from the penalty of sin, and now you're learning to live out the freedom from the power of sin. You can say no. You should say no. You must say no. And you begin to learn how to say no to sin and yes to Christ. That's what Paul's going to talk about in chapter 8. Living by the Spirit, putting to death the deeds of the flesh. You must, you can say no to the power of sin. Finally, glorification This is the end of chapter 8. He's going to elaborate on it. Glorification is you will be ultimately completely free of the presence of sin. You will be redeemed and your body will be redeemed from sin. Just like Christ in his resurrected spiritual body was a physical body free from the presence of sin. And we see in heaven the dwelling place of God is free from the presence of sin. Well, the dwelling place of God is coming back down to a newly created heavens and earth. And he will create a place where we are in our bodies free from the presence of sin. And our dwelling place is free from the presence of sin. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, he will say. And so this is the process that he's talking about. In this life, you are free from the penalty of sin, free from the power of sin, but not yet free from the presence of sin. You have indwelling sin. And there's a war going on, and it's the war between indwelling sin and indwelling Spirit of God. And those two warring parties, he describes them with different terms. He describes the indwelling sin, he calls it flesh. Now when he says flesh, he's not talking about skin, he's not dermatology here. He's talking about a concept of the part of you that has indwelling sin. He calls it sin. He calls it sin dwelling within. He calls it evil. He calls it the law of sin. And he says that it dominates the members of your body, which makes this wretched man with a body of death. So he's saying the indwelling sin in you is trying to do everything it can to defeat you, to cause you to flesh out sin, to live it out, bearing fruit unto death. That's one of the warring parties within you, even as a Christian. He says, but you also have what we know is the indwelling spirit of God. He calls it the spiritual law. 
He calls it the willingness within. He calls it the wanting to do good. He calls it the law of the mind, which follows the law of God. And so the law of God, the inner spirit of God, wants to produce a fleshing out of the righteousness that is his. And he wants you to live that out, bearing fruit of life. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and all these things. So you have this warring within. The indwelling sin against the indwelling spirit of God. The war has been won for the believer. But every day there is a battle to live it out. That's called sanctification. The process of growing in godliness. So Paul is challenging us. Are you in a battle against sin? I had a conversation with one of my children this week and it happened to be that we we're studying this and, and she was talking about her and her friends were discussing this very issue of can you love God and, and, and sin? And, and it, was, it was hard because it's hard to explain that, isn't it? I mean, you, you go, it's, it's, it's really just a matter of nuance when I ask you that. Can you love God and sin? Well, yeah, I can love God and sin. Mm-hmm. There's only right about that. Can you love God and sin? I can love God and sin. It's the matter of, do you hate the sin? Or have you just embraced it? The Spirit of God will not allow you to just say, Oh, I can sin. I'm good with Christ. The Spirit of God says, I love Christ. I'm good with Christ. And I hate it when I sin. And that's what he's saying here is that there is going to be a war and there must be a war with sin. But the good news is, as you wage war with that sin, Paul wants you to know that there's a promise that anchors your soul. You see the promise as he claims this promise himself in verses 24 and 25 when he reads the depths of of his hatred, oh, this wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of this death? And then he clings to the promises of God. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Praise God, he is going to rid me of indwelling sin. And this is the promise that you have to claim When you've fallen and you've stumbled and you're questioning your salvation is remember Paul had the same struggle. And yes, hate the sin. Don't get up too quickly. Stay there just long enough to say, yes, this is not God's will for me. And then get back up and say, but praise God, he is going to deliver me from this one day. And that's the hope that anchors, that's the confidence that anchors your soul, that gets you back up to say, I will fight another day. Because I've seen how this ends, and we win. It's important to know that you win. It's like, I can't imagine these young football players that go four years of high school, two-a-days, sweating their face off, just giving up everything, and knowing... I'm never going to see the field. I'm just going to be on the practice squad, getting my face beat up so that these guys can get better. It's hard to keep fighting, 
not knowing you're going to win. But Christ has guaranteed this. You will win. Nothing separates you from the love of God. And Paul, in one of his greatest scriptures in Romans 8, will detail this, that what he has done for you, he has justified you, he has sanctified you, he has glorified you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So I pray today, whatever's going on in your life, as you make New Year's resolutions, I pray that you will take last week and see that the word of God, the will of God is the path to prosperous and abundant life. And then today, remember that it will be a battle every day. But I think that what you can take comfort in is knowing that I think the battle, though it grows with intensity... Your hatred of sin day in and day out will grow stronger and stronger, but I think it grows less frequency. You can look back over your life and say, look at that. What once used to have a stranglehold on me seems to have very little power over me. And that's the hope that you can find in Christ. And I pray that you will take practical measures Whatever it needs to be. And I think it starts with joining a church. I hope you'll join this church. If it's not this one, then find a Bible teaching church. Because what you're going to find is one that understands the gospel. One that understands it's normal to struggle with sin. Is a place where you can come and confess, I am struggling with sin. And they're not going to go, you're struggling with sin? My bad, there's a special department for you. No, they're going to say, I get it. I get it. We are all struggling with sin. And that's what we're here for. We want to help each other fight that battle against sin. Encourage one another in growth and godliness. And to reach that end, that goal, fighting every day and seeing God's glory shining brighter and brighter and brighter in your life, in your community group, in this church. And that's what this life is all about. So if you're discouraged in your sin battle, know this. The apostle Paul struggled with sin. Keep on fighting. God's going to give you victory ultimately. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word that reminds us of this very important truth that sin is a battle even for believers. And there's so many ways that we can apply this in our lives, Lord. I pray, first of all, that everyone is encouraged as I have been. Be encouraged that this is normal because of indwelling sin. Everyone shares the same struggle. The church is a place to share and find strength and hope and encouragement in the struggle. That you're a savior who was tempted in every way so that you can relate to our struggles and pain. Though you never failed once, so you can give us victory over it. Lord, your promises encourage us that one day you will redeem us from all presence of sin. And that's heaven. 
whether there or here on earth. So, Lord, I pray that all are encouraged to continue to fight against sin, to wage war against sin. Lord, I pray we're also convicted of the need to wage war with sin. Examine our hearts. Holy Spirit, show us where we have compromised and given in and tolerated sin and treated it as if it wasn't a big deal. Lord, help us, the Spirit of God living within us, convict us of sin. For unbelievers, may your Spirit bring a conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment and the need for grace today. Lord, I pray that you will move powerfully among our hearts as we sing praises to your name. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.